If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. Midi clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome, Dolphins fans, haters, and everyone in between to your favorite show discussing the greatest franchise in sports, the Miami Dolphins. This is the Fins Pod. My name is Moose, your host, and when this little winning streak got started, I think most fans tried to do a good job of keeping things in perspective. Yeah, you beat the Texans and the Jets, but the general viewpoint was still that the Miami Dolphins are not a very good team. They're just playing a little better. It was assumed that a regression to the mean was coming, and most people figured that that regression was going to show itself against the Panthers. Now, with that performance in the rear view, one hell of a performance at that, should we reestablish how we look at this team? Today, we're going to look at the recent play from both the offense and defense. How sustainable is it, and if we do see a drop-off, when and how will it happen? We got a jam-packed episode, so strap up and let's dive in. For the sake of this exercise, we're going to ignore the first eight games of the season. And I know plenty of you are out there thinking, you can't ignore those games. They happened, and the Dolphins performed atrociously. How can you forget a loss to the Falcons and Jags? I'll say this, though. The reasons for why Miami struggled so mightily out the gate, they're still up in the air. We can point to some concrete factors, reasons for the struggling, the offensive line play, the coaching and game plan, poor play calling, as well as inconsistent defense, which was playing passive and scared. What we don't know, though, are the reasons for why that was the case to start the year, because as we're seeing now, the team is fully capable of playing good football, and frankly, not just good. Their performances against the Ravens and Panthers was truly nothing short of great. Full team wins. So, for reasons that we can get into later, as we assess the season as a whole and look back, the first eight games aren't really a true reflection of the talent on this roster. I think what we're seeing now is closer to the reality of what this team truly is than what we saw back in September and October. Is it too little too late? Maybe. But that doesn't matter at this point when we're trying to evaluate the team. That, like I said, we can say for the end of the year when we look back and curse those early woes. Based on that, 
and how the team's playing now, we can now gauge how legitimate of a team they are in the grand scheme of things and whether there's a future for this regime at all going forward. So we're going to start with the offense. And I think it's important to note a few things. The visions of what this offense could look like obviously have not come to fruition. What the first few games showed was the coaching staff trying to force their vision onto personnel, which just wasn't executing properly. The offensive line was abysmal, and despite that, the coaches still leaned on the RPO and would abandon the run game. When your defenses know you can't run, they're going to sneak up, thus eliminating your RPO efficiency. And again, that also let defenses tee off on our quarterbacks who were under constant duress because we were making ourselves so one-dimensional. What we're seeing now is an adjustment to that personnel. The offensive identity has changed, and the way Godsey is calling the game has as well. So it's apparent that Miami's calling the game with the offensive line's limitations in mind, something they weren't doing well early on. The running game has improved. Now, rather than being rock bottom in the league, they're performing more like a bottom third unit. Is that great? No, not at all, but it is an improvement. Whether that goes to comfortability along the line, now that this unit has had some games together under their belt, or if it's the type of running concepts Miami is doing, overall, there has been improvement in the run game. And hopefully, with Philip Lindsay now in the mix, we can see even more high-level performance from that unit. I'm holding my breath because the line really struggles to open up holes. We've seen that all year. But again, got to give them credit when it's due. They are playing a little bit better. I do think, aside from better blocking up front in the run game, Miami's improved passing attack has also helped to open up the box. Now, that Miami attacking passing attack is not a vertical threat, obviously, as Dolphins Twitter reminds you on a daily basis. Instead, what we're seeing is the Dolphins being more creative with how they're moving their pieces around to set them up. Waddle is playing all over the place, and so is Albert Wilson. The Dolphins are using bunch formations. They're motioning guys across the formation before the snap, as well as getting guys in motion right at the snap to lead to swing or wheel routes, which have been working for either short or intermediate yardage. So these simple actions, movement along the offensive line, movement with your receivers from one side of the field to the next, it just forces defenses to adjust to pick up that motion or at least communicate more with each other. And when you're asking the defense to do more work, it creates more opportunities for you to then find openings and potentially busted coverage. Miami was not being creative whatsoever, and essentially the defense ran out their unit and played straight up on us because we were not mixing anything up. And it seems now we're calling plays from fewer formations, and instead we're leaning into what we do well. Rather than trying to be a team that does a bunch of things, we're trying to attack you in different ways, Miami's realized some of those ways of attacking don't work based on the personnel. So we've stripped it down, and Miami's really leaning on a few types of play designs to really maximize their players. Tua and the shotgun, running misdirections to help the offensive line a little bit, as well as making sure you run passing concepts that allow Tua to get the ball out quickly to help juxtapose the horrible pass protection he's getting. Because part of Miami's running game is the pass. And no, not just because they're using the pass to set up the run, but because Miami runs a lot of plays which are designed to really only get three or four yards through the air. Quick screen passes, short outs or ins, dump-offs to backs. Yeah, in theory, any of those plays can break for a big gain if someone makes someone miss, but in reality, Miami understands that they can't just rely on the ground game to get them into third and manageables. Instead, they have to attack all areas of the field to try and keep opposing defenses honest. 
Now, we're seeing Miami attack the middle of the field in the running game, as well as with short passes to Waddle, over the middle, intermediate passes, over the linebackers. We're seeing them attack the outside of the field now with the occasional pitch play or read option, as well as design passes to tight ends. A lot of Durham Smythe action in the flat. All of this motion and the mere threat of going outside forces defenses to respect all the areas of the field, thus opening things up everywhere as well. This is going to sound really strange, but I think we have to give a little credit to the offensive coaching staff for making some good adjustments. The other thing to note is seeing how Miami is using their personnel. That's how you can tell that they are grasping an understanding of what their guys do well. Mac Hollins, right? He's not being asked to be a chain mover. Third down, run a short route over the middle. He's not the best route runner and not the most consistent receiver. So you have him play on the outside, running rubber pick routes to set up your guys, and occasionally Mac run deep to stretch out the coverage. Durham Smythe, as we mentioned, he isn't a Mike Kosicki-type tight end. He isn't a vertical threat. He's more of a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none type. We're seeing that Miami understands that because they really are maximizing Durham Smythe's value and output. He stays into block or leaks out into the flat for a quick dump-off, and those dump-offs proved effective against Carolina, and his presence in the passing game is only going to help the rest of the receiving core as well as Mike Kosicki. As long as defenses keep disrespecting Durham, keep feeding him and moving the chains. Jalen Waddle, he isn't being used as a pure slot receiver like he was before. Instead, we're seeing him moved all over the field. Miami has him running way more crossing routes, getting him in motion to help boost his momentum and speed coming into the route. These are all little things, but signs of improvement in offensive philosophy. Now, as we mentioned, with the addition of Philip Lindsay, I think you're going to see the Dolphins continue to try to emphasize a more traditional running attack. I'm here for it. As long as you're not playing from behind, keeping a focus on the run, no matter how successful, helps to keep your playbook open and defenses honest. And to top it all off, we have to talk about the quarterback play. When you're dealing with an offense that has the limitations that we do in your protection, your running game, as well as skill players who are constantly hurt, you need someone who executes the offense and minimizes mistakes. And we're now seeing that from Tua consistently. Yeah, there's definitely another level that he can get to, which is exciting. A level that not only pushes the ball downfield, but a level which allows him a complete mastery of the offense. And as each ball is snapped, as each game progresses, Tua's not only going to get more understanding and more comfort in his offense, but a better, deeper understanding of how to manipulate defenses and work within his offense to maximize output and efficiency. Because as he takes ownership of it, the schemes, the concepts, he can make sure Miami is in good position and check out a bad plays at the line. When you're young, you haven't seen everything a defense throws at you, you're not sure what the disguise is, you might keep a play going that is going to run right into the teeth of the defense and cost you a potentially positive play. As you get a better understanding of your own offense and you see what the defense is doing, you can check out and maximize your efficiency. And that only enhances the potency of the offense. And as long as he continues to deliver accurate and decisive strikes, get the ball out of his hands quickly, the team's scoring potential should really only go up, as we've been seeing. So what should we think and expect from the offense going forward? In my opinion, more of the same. Complimentary football, bailing out the defense when they put you in good positions, and limiting mistakes. Since the Buffalo game, you're seeing exactly that. The players seem way more comfortable, and the coaches seem more in tune with what's working and what isn't on the offensive side of the ball. I think expecting Miami 
to put up at least the league average 24 points per game is totally fair at this point. We haven't even mentioned the possibility of seeing Devontae Parker or Will Fuller thrown into the mix, although, to be honest, I do think we'll see Parker for another game or two, but Fuller truly may miss the rest of the season. Talk about robbery. Starting this weekend against the Giants, you want to see consistency from the offense as well as more growth from Tua Tagovailoa in his decision-making. If he limits the big mistake, the team is in a far better position to win the game. Honestly, any game, as long as he's not turning it over. Now, the biggest improvement as a team came from the defense. There's no doubt about that. We've talked about it before, the reasons behind the changes. Like I stated earlier, those reasons aren't the purpose of today's show. Instead, we're talking about these new expectations. And ladies and gentlemen, my expectations are high. The defense is finally performing the way that we expected the unit to perform. It's what we had hoped to see back in September. Similar to the offense, whatever changes that were made to Miami's defensive identity are also rooted in their personnel. You can look at that. You can look at this defense, look at each player on it, and determine the role, the exact specific role for that player in the defense. You got your pass rushers, the Ed Setters, Emmanuel Ogba, Jalen Phillips, and Andrew Van Ginkle. All Miami's asking from them is to wreak havoc. Be responsible for your gap, be disciplined, but get after it. Right now, those boys are doing exactly that. And the broadcast did a good job of sharing a neat little stat. Ogba is the first player in 20 years to have seven straight games with a batted pass. That not only points to consistency from him, but also high football IQ. He's clearly studying opposing quarterbacks, learning their tells, and he uses that to time his jump and make the play. Seven in a row. His batted passes have helped Miami end some drives early. Second and seven, the, you know, they're, they're trying to have a drive going. Oh, there's a guy open under, underneath for three, four yards to make it third and two. Ball's batted down. Now you're looking at third and seven. Those plays really change the game. Obviously, Jalen Phillips, too, he's beginning to come into his own, which down the stretch can be big for Miami's consistency on defense. The rest of the line, too, is playing with tenacity and discipline. You got Christian Wilkins, who's continuing a stellar season. Alongside him, you got the stacked unit featuring Raquan Davis, Zach Sealer, and Adam Butler, who a couple weeks ago was a dud, but truly had a good game against Carolina. They've done a great job in recent weeks against the run, and they had a huge test facing Christian McCaffrey, and they passed with flying colors. I don't want to hear that this Dolphins team is not doing this against good competition. Yeah, you got the Texans and the Jets, but I'm sorry. The, the Ravens and the Panthers have some of the two best running schemes in the league. Yeah, maybe they were banged up here and there, but you had Lamar Jackson on the field and you had Christian McCaffrey on the field. I don't want to hear that Miami was getting an easy out. That wasn't happening. Because Miami's also changed the way they utilize their linebackers. Before, they had Jerome Baker and Alandon Roberts playing a more traditional middle linebacker role, right? Miami was asking Jerome to play more off of his keys, right? Read what's happening in front of you. And when you have to read more, that innately adds more layers to your assignment, makes you think more, have to get to a spot faster. And the same was true of Alandon Roberts. Miami was asking them to be versatile and be able to play both the run and the pass based on what happened in front of them. So Miami realized that really wasn't working. Baker was getting burned in coverage. He was getting washed down in run, in run blocking. Same with Roberts. If he didn't guess the gap right, he was washed out of the play and opposing offenses were easily getting eight, nine-yard runs up the field. Now Miami has them playing up on the line. 
in aggressive fronts, Jerome is either lining up on the guard or center, or Miami has him coming off the edge. Having him come up to the middle allows him to maximize his blitzing skill set, which is underrated. And then having him off the edge allows Miami to help contain outside runs much better as Jerome has the speed to get to the edge and help contain the play. Roberts, he isn't being asked to play the edge, which is good since he can't move sideline to sideline. Instead, they have him on delayed blitzes or coming in hot against the run. Both these roles are distinct to each of their skill sets and shows Miami is wising up to that. Of course, the most consistent unit has been the secondary. From even early on when the defense wasn't good, the secondary was the one unit you pointed to and was like, they aren't the reason we're sucking. And Miami's now leaning on their high-priced corners to play good coverage all game long, either giving them safety help or leaving them on an island because you trust them that much. The other change to the defense was in how Miami is using their safeties. Rather than having a traditional free and strong safety, Miami mixes up the roles and assignments to throw some confusion into the mix because if you think about last year, the safeties was, it was uh, Bobby McCain. Wow, almost forgot his name. It's only been like eight months. How could I forget you, Bobby? I love you. Bobby McCain at free safety and Eric Rowe at strong. They moved Eric Rowe around a little bit, right? But Bobby McCain was pretty much just the free safety. He would come in on the occasional blitz. And this is when Miami was running the Amoeba front. Their safeties were a little more limited in what they did. Eric Rowe was not a good blitzing guy. He was just great to match up on tight ends. Now, you got Javon Holland, who you move all over the field. And they usually they got him playing in the back end, but occasionally he comes up to contribute against the run or blitz, which, he, which he's shown to do a fine good job at. And the same can be said for Brandon Jones. He's obviously not the same coverage safety that Holland is, and Miami is clearly aware of that because he's used more as a blitzing safety or matched up on bigger and slower pass catchers. So with that in mind, it's apparent that the Dolphins are now trying to put their defenders in the best position to make plays and disrupt offensive flow based on what they do well. We've seen as much over the course of this winning streak. And the reason I have more faith in the defense playing at a high level for the remainder of this season is twofold. Firstly, Miami has been blessed with health. No major players on the defensive side are being hobbled by nagging injuries, no hamstring issues, and no big name is out for a prolonged period of time. Frankly, Miami's biggest defensive injury, DB Jason McCourty, has kind of been a blessing in disguise as it's allowed room for Javon Holland to blossom. If you know it, Ever since McCourty went out, Holland's gotten way more playing time, and it's only accelerated his growth. The other reason to be confident is Brian Flores. Because regardless of how he's managed the coaching staff, how he coaches offense, the man knows how to coach a defense. He's got the play sheet in hand, and it's pretty clear he's now the one calling plays. You can tell because of his aggressive approach and trying to bait offenses into mistakes. It's one of his best features. Our identity on defense is around the idea of dictating what offenses can do. We're not responding to you. We're not trying to take away necessarily what you do and limit you. We're imposing our will. And as long as Miami sticks to what they do best, most opposing quarterbacks will have problems with that. Lamar Jackson, Tyrod Taylor, Cam Newton, Joe Flacco, not one has been able to completely figure out. And yeah, None of them are great, except Lamar Jackson, but Lamar is a certain type of quarterback. So, again, we will see how these more pocket-passing standard quarterbacks do. And really, the only one left would be if Trevor Simeon plays, although it appears that they're going to have Taysom Hill do that. And if it's Taysom Hill in there, Miami runs the exact same defense they did against, Fla uh, against Cam Newton as well as Lamar Jackson. I don't think Taysom Hill is going to do much better. 
and Ryan Tannehill. More of a Ryan Tannehill's more of a pocket sort of quarterback. Him and Mac Jones are two of the guys coming up that we're probably going to face, and we're going to have to figure out the differences in how they play quarterback. But everyone else, I think we're going to have a good chance just blitzing the hell out of them. Again, when you consider that it's being reported that Miami isn't even facing Daniel Jones this weekend, I think our defense will continue to eat. Similar to Joe Flacco, the Dolphins face an experienced vet in Mike Glennon, but he's immobile, lacks big playability, and he generally runs a simplified scheme, something Miami should be able to handle easily. Because as long as they play relatively mistake-free football, both sides of the ball, don't give the Giants any free points with turnovers, we should be able to handle business. And we'll get into the specifics of the matchup in our preview episode this Friday. So be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for that one. The risk with this team, the way that this all falls apart and they have a letdown, is in their mentality. Right now, the Dolphins players are playing like their backs are up against the wall. And when you start at 1-7, and of course you will. You lost so many consecutive games and you know your season is pretty much all but lost. Jobs are now on the line and it's really time to pick things up. We heard about the meeting that the team had a few weeks back. Flores apparently put it all on the table, and the guys have answered the call. The way Miami has has a setback now and loses their chances of a magical run is if on one of these Sundays, they don't show up. If they overlook an opponent or play error-filled football. Think about Miami's loss to the Denver Broncos last season. It was in the midst of a good run. The team was playing well, but they had a dud. Now, to be fair... Denver has a really good defense, and it was early on into his career as well. He is a better quarterback than he was then, and that, I think, is the X factor in all of this. The guy who can elevate the team, even on a day where they aren't playing their best, is the quarterback. If Tua continues to get better, take steps in ownership of the team like we spoke of, then this run is really possible. Playing with consistency is possible. With Miami playing now two winnable games in the next three weeks, as well as a much-needed buy thrown in there, the team is set up for a strong finish. Now, it's up to them to execute and deliver. What do you think? Is 7-7 seven and seven on the horizon now, or do you still question Miami's ability to be consistent week in and week out? Let us know in the comments below. Dan, why do you think Tua has seen more success in recent weeks? He's sudden and he's surgical. The same kind of traits that we saw with him in Alabama, would they transfer over? They are. He's healthy finally. Jalen Waddles come on, and you're just seeing the ball. It's like pop, pop, pop. It's almost right. just how quickly it happens. Now, your point, Ruddy, like it's got to happen that fast. But the the feel that Waddle has for stuff, how quickly Tua, like very rarely does Tua like hold the football. It's put your foot in the ground and get the ball out. I think he's got a great understanding of what they're doing right now and kind of who they aren't as a football team. But I'll say this, the number one thing that I feel watching to a player last month is what if? Like, what if you get that kid with an offensive line? What if you get him like another receiver or two? Because I firmly believe this. If that happens, if they do the right thing and protect him, then he becomes a Drew Brees type of player. I truly believe that. That's going to do it for us here today. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. As always, thank you to Timothy Ritchie, Brian Gouger, Brandon Leist, and Chris, members of the pod and supporters of the show over on Patreon. Check that out. Links in the description or head to patreon.com slash finspod. Thank you all so much for the continued support over there. Really means a lot. Helps us keep going. And please remember to like the video as well if you enjoyed the show and subscribe just so you never miss a chance to chat about your Miami Dolphins. 
Remember that the show is available on all platforms, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and, of course, YouTube. As always, we'd love an Apple review on if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. really helps the show out. And continue the conversation with us over on Twitter and Instagram at FinsPod. I hope you all have an amazing day. And until next time, stay safe. Love y'all. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.